Welcome to Empowered Returns, a show that surfaces forward-thinking real estate advice that investors and developers need to help them invest smarter and build better. Welcome to Empowered Returns. We're excited to be here with Eric DiNicola today from Winter Spring Capital. Eric, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, and here with obviously with uh, PT as well, co-host uh, extraordinaire. Nice to be back together, Michael. I know. You know I had to miss, missed you last week, I buddy. Missed the last show, missed me two weeks ago too. I, I, I did. Yeah, I yeah. did. I was very sad to uh, not see you too much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So. Sure. Eric, yeah, <laughs> Eric, how are uh, how are you doing? I know we were chatting about you just recently taking a trip to Italy, but uh, oh, I wish I was still there every day. I think I am, but you know I'm not. So doing great otherwise, though. Good. Back to business. Back to business. And that's what never we'll, ends really. Yeah. Tried to end it over there, but it didn't. It, it followed me. Yeah, you know? you're, you're trying to trying to pretend to be ready for retirement already. Yes. Nice. Yes, nice. Exactly. <laughs> Italy's a tough place to beat, but uh, um, but I'm looking for my next trip back, but. We are going to talk about today your background as a developer and talk about some of the projects you worked on. I'm really trying to dive deep into your, um, you know, some of the cool things you've done and projects you're working on, including hopefully we'll talk a little bit about 100 Lincoln that we're working on together. We're excited to dive into that a little bit as well. But maybe just to kick us off here, you can talk a little bit about your background of uh, getting into real estate, real estate development, and, and starting uh, Winter Spring Capital. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I started Winter Spring Capital with uh, Nick Earls, my partner. Um, we met in high school, then kind of, you know, we, we both were very uh, interested in doing our own thing, not really working for someone else. Um, we went to college, went our separate ways. I went to New Jersey, and then I worked in New York City for four or five years, um, did some stock trading, um, worked at a, a tech startup, did sales there. And then, um, you know, Nick came to me and I mean, probably nine-ish years ago now, maybe, and said, um, you know, hey, look, we should really, uh, I think I figured out something. We should try to buy a rental somehow mm. and, and get into this, and this is our key. Because, you know, I would come up for holidays and, and hang out with Nick and stuff when I'd come home. Um, so we saved up for a while, and that was kind of the plan. I was still working down there. And then um, this is, you know, the the condo market in East Boston, as you guys obviously no better than anyone, um, really s started to take off like the, you know, probably like the early teens, in thir 2013, yeah. maybe, so maybe yeah. before that, but that's when we, yeah. we kind of noticed. Yeah. Um, so we figured out, okay, you know what, there's maybe an opportunity here where instead of buying a rental, maybe we can do this. So mm. Nick found a two family in a three family zone, which is not, it's not many left over there now, but um, we were able to add a third unit by right and in the middle of this, I, I invested with them. We all kind of pooled our money. And then I moved back up here and um, we turned it into three condos, exceeded projections when we ended up selling all three of them. Mm. And that kind of springboarded us into the next one. Um, and nice. then from there, that's kind of what we've done ever since. Cool. And on that on that first one, did you have any other investors or was it just your own capital and bank loans? So it was bank loan and then... Uh, Nick's brother was involved mm. and then another friend uh, of Nick's brother. And those guys actually swung hammers and worked oh, wow. on the actual project as carpenters. Um, and Nick's brother was actually the GC on the job. So we were essentially as a company acting as the GC call, yep. you know, yep. hiring all the subs directly. So that was a different experience that we <laughs> learned positives and negatives from. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a, you know, good precursor to some of the other stuff we'll talk about, but yeah. like with your trajectory, right? So you started with that one. Yeah. And then 
I would say, you know, fair, fair to say, kind of like the big break was uh, East Eagle Hill. Yeah. Right. So talk about that because I love that story just for, you know, like as a the classic representation of like true bootstrapping, just like, hey, we're going to do this. Like, didn't you guys even live there? We did. Yeah. yeah. It was a, <laughs> wow. Yeah. This it is was awesome. good. I'm, oh, I'm excited to hear this. Yeah. Now. So it was a two family in a two family zone. So it wasn't going to be any by right change. But we looked at it, we saw a comp across the street. Um, another one nearby where, you know, these guys are doing like seven, eight, nine units. And um, we were looking at the sellout comps, looking at the size of the parcel. And it was actually two parcels that totaled, well, I used to know it so well. I want to say now about 6,000 square mm. feet, which, you know, for over there is Good size. pretty yeah. substantial. Um, it was a long rectangular parcel. So we, uh, we ended up buying that um, and then... The guy who owned it, it was a unique situation. We're, we're going to, again, we're moving in when we closed. It was like right at the end of the year um, of whatever year that was now. And uh, he was still in there when we came to, so we had closed. You took out roommates too. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it. He, he was trying to stay and he's saying, you know, oh, you know, basically it's two units. Yeah. So I think there was a conversation, oh, I can live upstairs. Like, no, you know, this is not happening. That's um, awesome. I didn't so, know that part. <laughs> yeah, so we got in there, and event, you know, he got out eventually. And uh, he's he's a nice guy, just odd. And it's like his family's home. He's the last guy left, so it's a whole situation. So yeah, that's that was our entry into this. So we're living in it. We're paying the mortgage and everything. We're going through um, start of the zoning process. Met with the neighbors. Met with the local civic groups, and we said, okay, this is kind of our first foray into this ourselves. We had seen how it kind of worked and, and tried to learn a bit. Um, but you know, meeting all these neighbors and, and realizing all oh, these people don't really like you very much right away. Um, and so we, uh, we started with, uh, like a nine unit design there and we were really seeing dollar signs like, wow, this is really <laughs> going to work out great. And, uh, the family right behind us was a local politician's family and then he lived two houses over. So we started working with him right away so that we could kind of have a good foothold in and, and the neighborhood all trusted him and everything. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, we were trying to go against the grain and, uh, you know, it is a long process for us to learn how that worked. And we eventually came to seven units, had a bunch of meetings with the civic association over there, the Eagle Hill civic and, uh, Finally, in the last one, when they voted on it, it was a unanimous vote for us and, and uh, for the project, the seven units, which was still really profitable, mm -hmm. it was going to be for us. And um, someone stood up and said, wow, this is the best project we've ever seen through here. No one has listened to us like you guys did. So we're thinking, wow, we're just going to keep repeating this. This is amazing. <laughs> and uh, so that project worked. It, it took a little while. Then we sold all seven units, and it was great. And we thought, you know, we'll just repeat this and then uh got a lot harder from there that was kind of a unicorn <laughs> yeah yeah um it's yeah. like they say the so, guy who goes to the casino yeah. wins five grand in five minutes and then he's stuck for the rest of his life you know <laughs> yeah got the bug yeah <laughs> um so like you you approached Iris, so that was a two family two family okay and i think you know i think some mistakes get me right so like you guys obviously saw some upside, but how did you kind of look at that to make sure the downside's protected, right? Because there's no guarantee you were going to get seven. No, you obviously right. went in at nine, right? So yep. when you look at deals like that, like what do you think would have been the catastrophic scenario there, and would it still have worked for you? So catastrophic would have been um, 
you know, not getting approved for anything beyond the local zoning, which was two. Okay. So worst case, we are thinking we'll just have to resell this thing. And, and you know, other developers who would have been the potential buyers of stuff like that would have known at that point, and it probably wouldn't have been as simple as, as just doing that. Yeah, prices kind of kept going up, but um, there would have been this caveat, oh, the neighborhood already denied this. So the way we looked at that one um, was, okay, yeah, it's a two-family, but it's surrounded by triple-deckers. Worst case, maybe we could probably get approved for a three-family. Our parcel's bigger than these existing right, right, right. ones. And that was kind of our fallback scenario. Okay. Mm. And how did you guys think about, or how did you learn to, you know, underwrite a deal, look at what the opportunity may be in a given property? How, what was it just kind of, was it uh, just learn as you go? Or did you have any sort of experience with that? How did you think, how'd you get going? It was, uh, it was probably learn as you go. You know, Nick had a background in commercial real estate. He had been selling uh, commercial mm -hmm. real estate for a bit going into that point. That's kind of how we got into this idea in the industry. And then you know, I had done a lot of financial modeling in my old jobs. So I went to school for finance. Yep. So we kind of tangentially were related to some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, we just figured out, you know, he had access to MLS initially because he, you know, had his license. And so we used MLS and we, you know, we'd look at comps and we'd see really just kind of input output, like, okay, this sold for 600 a foot. This is how much we're paying. This is how much it's going to cost us per foot. And then as long as there was a decent difference there, it was at first, it was really that simple. Yeah. And uh, it worked out. I don't know if, you know, that was the best way to go about it, but awesome. early on it worked. Yeah. yeah. So you guys really just kind of, kind of caught the bug. You made some good early returns. And then, you know, what was your, what were you guys thinking as far as your growth trajectory from there? How did you, how did that evolve into your next, you know, deal, a couple of deals and, and, uh, and, and really kind of lead to the growth that we're seeing today in winter spring? I would say we, uh, we wanted to, you know, we saw a couple other guys similar to us at our, you know, experience level and age and, and, uh, you know, um, kind of growing and we're saying, okay, we're doing multiple projects at the same time. So that was to us like, okay, how do we mm. do this? Um, and we started to, uh, you know, we took that, the the returns from that went into a couple other projects. Both ended up being smaller, one mm. in Somerville, um, and then um, eventually one in JP, I think was at the same time, sir. No, so it's, Somerville was another situation where we fought the neighbors. It was kind of our first really bad fight with the neighbors for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and the zoning was changed on us while we owned yeah. the parcel. So it really yeah. is a whole, yeah, you might remember, we might've yeah, mentioned this to you a while yeah. back. Yeah. Um, so where was I going with that? Oh, the uh, the point was it gave us the ability to say, okay, w instead of focusing on one at a time, we're gonna try to do multiple yep. and we're gonna try to go, you know, big. At, at that point to us, we're thinking like 10, 20 units mm -hmm. is, is mm -hmm. big. Um, and it, you know, it is sort of depending on your what you're dealing with. Um, so yeah, that, that led us to doing multiple projects at once and none of them at that point yet were really bigger than the seven units. Um, but it, it gave us the ability to do these multiple projects at once and then realize, okay, if we want to do it this way, we're going to have to also bring in outside capital. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of when it dawned on us, oh yeah, there's no way you can do this yourself, roll everything over, live yep. and, and funding. So that's when we started realizing we got to bring in outside capital. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. 
and and I'm assuming your background in finance sort of helped you kind of create that that uh, the model how you were building your your investor base and and capital stack and and how you yeah. were kind of modeling all that. I, I think so. I think it helped. I mean, uh, I'm lucky in the sense that my partner Nick is very like an entrepreneurial guy, mm. and he has a good big picture um, view of everything. I'm kind of like a, more of like an operator type. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of used those and then some of my skills from finance. And it took me a while. I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I studied all finance in college and everything. And uh, no one took all these, you know, securities valuation courses and all these things. And no one ever just made it clear the fundamental kind of view of what a business is to me. And yeah. you just kind of like jump past that. So once we really got into it and realized, okay, you know, you're, you have all these expenses, you have revenue coming in and, you know whatever the difference is, you get your profit. Mm-hmm. It's simply put very simply. But once we kind of got onto that as a big picture, it was able to help us look at things very differently mm-hmm. and more systematically. And that's when we, uh, I think, wrapped in these investors and everything and realized, okay, we have a system here that we don't have to do two four-unit projects at once. We can really start going for you know, three or four projects or one 30, 40-unit project or bigger. Yeah. You know? Awesome. Yeah. So as you guys have kind of evolved into the bigger projects, um, you know, I think one thing that you've done really well is you you guys have had a, a really big presence on social media. Um, you guys are very active, um, very engaging, you know, really good content. How did you use that as part of your strategy for capital raising and, you know, kind of as you've gone from the smaller projects to the bigger projects, you know, you you kind of reference that you're really looking at this now as more trying, kind of going in the more long-term ownership direction and, and more on the apartment side. Obviously, we've got 100 Lincoln, which is a big condo project. But, yeah. you know, after that, I think you've, you know, made it clear that you guys are, are looking on the multifamily side. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the way we use social media, we, again, we kind of have a philosophy like uh, we saw some other people doing it, essentially, and we do this with a lot of stuff where we say, okay, A, there's no reason we can't do that, but B, it's clearly working in some way, so we should be doing it. And so we we kind of saw that this was the way things were going. Mm. People were using Instagram and LinkedIn, um, and we had kind of you know gotten out of that. Just you know, like on a personal level, we just mm. kind of like fell fell off the map with that stuff. But then we you know once we had this kind of realization that we need to use it, and this is where a lot of this stuff happens. I think it really helped us. I, I'd say. A ton of our networking now is through LinkedIn. We do a lot of these posts like you're talking about where we try to put something out there that's a really valuable thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's it's the goal is to get reaction so people will come to us and ask us or we can, like, uh, you know, form a new connection or whatever. And in the future, hopefully it helps the business. But kind of our mentality like this, this karma economy thing, you put out info as much as you can and have hopefully people learn from it and then, no pressure on them to interact with you, but if they do and they want to, otherwise you just did something good and your name's out there. And Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you know, adding value to people is always the right option, you yeah. know, adding value to the world because you're going to you're gonna get it back. You're going to just either by leadership and thought, you know, sort of thought leadership, putting your your, your opinions out there in the world and your knowledge out there to the world. It's gonna, you're right. It's going to absolutely come back to you in, in spades, you know. Yeah. So and you guys, I would commend you. I know you guys put out good kind of like webinar, like detailed webinars, market reports, and like really good. It's not just Thank like you. a pretty picture next yeah. to a building, you know. It's yeah. it's uh, 
some really good high quality content. So I have no doubt that you are. Thank you. That's well received for, for you guys. Yeah, we 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 also now the guy kind of running the investment side of things, Kyle Stahl. He's yeah. another guy from Zavarian. I've known Kyle since we were like twelve. Um, we grew up right down the street from each other, and so. Kyle had a very good sales background. He's very successful in multiple sales roles that he's really good at. And we were trying to get him into the company for a yeah. little while. And so once we brought him on um, and we combined that with this social media thing, he took he took this over kind of in terms of like these webinars you're mm. talking about and, and gave the webinars. And we were just talking this morning, all three of us are meeting about it. And he's doing another one now. And we're trying to say, okay, like, He's given all this good info about the state of the economy right now and interest rates yep. and everything. And then, you know, he's trying to figure out how do we, yeah, this is great. These are facts of what's going on, but how do we kind of present this in a real estate lens so that people who are looking at it can understand, oh, this is what it means for me. Or if I want to invest in real estate, this yeah. is what that means for me. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine how much that builds confidence in, in, in A, your already investor, your current investor, but new new investors or yeah. potential investors. And just, you know, by showing them you guys are, you know, essentially experts on the market, you guys are accomplished and doing good good things. I mean, you might not have all the answers, like no one does, but no at, one least, does. at least you're, yeah. you're, 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 you, they know, and you can see you sort of learning and growing and sharing that information as you guys, that you guys are using in your own business that you can share to the world. An investor may, Maybe it's not a perfect investment for them every time, but they'll be coming back around and see the next project and the next webinar, and then finally you get them as an investor, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a good it's a it's a good strategy, and it's and it's a it's a good way to to attract people that might be outside your network or ancillary, you know, friend of a friend or you know, connection of a connection yep. type of thing. So that's yeah. something like LinkedIn, literally with the multiple levels right. of connection, that yeah. exact yeah. scenario yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah. How um, how have you seen? that sort of climate change of late as far as, you know, your capital stacks and deal structures and, you know, getting invest getting investors and, and, and sort of the dynamics within that, that and how is that impacting your, your business of late on the current deals? It's definitely impacting it, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the first thing, you know, everyone thinks about in real estate now is the rates. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a very clear cut thing. Um, and they affect everything because if, you, if you're talking about, you know, a large building and you're going to get a construction loan, I mean, you're talking millions and millions of dollars. So every percentage point is a massive amount of money that it's in cost to build the exact same thing. To, I guess you should say to borrow the money to build the exact same thing that it would have cost. Mm -hmm. Then it would have cost, you know, five years ago or three years ago. Um, so the interest rate, massive for us, but we're also noticing in conjunction with that, which I hear from a lot of developers, the leverage on the loans, yeah, yeah, you know? So yeah. it's like we have, we've had some really, really high leverage, which we like better loans because it means less outside investment, um, just which is a little easier to just control than when you're dealing with mostly debt. We've had really high leverage ones that, you know, 90 plus percent loan to cost that now wouldn't even be. Wouldn't even nothing would get yeah. in remotely close to that. So yeah. were you in like the mid sixties? Yeah, in the sixties, yeah. sixty five. Yeah. Um, on on new construction. I mean, a couple rental properties we deal with, we can still maybe get seventy. Right. Yeah, seventy five. But it used to be so like a one of the like East Boston examples. It would just be as simple as you know seventy. You put twenty five percent down on the property, get a hundred percent of the construction loan funded. Or now with the bigger stuff, it's all wrapped into one total project cost. And maybe you could do an 80% on 
on that. Or in our lucky cases, sometimes we had the 90. Um, and not all developers want to do that. Some prefer bringing equity and they'll, they'll do 65 anyway and fill the rest with equity. We just look at it like if we can get really high leverage, it's just one capital source we're paying. They're probably, even if they have a really high interest rate, it's probably still going to be less than what an equity mm-hmm. investor might Require, expect. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, just less less of a sphere of people involved, parties mm-hmm. to deal with. So, yeah, the leverage thing for us, I'd say, is a big thing we're trying to deal with. It just increases the amount of money we need to bring mm-hmm. to the deals. Yeah. And, and do you guys typically, when you're, you know, building the equity side, um, do you guys typically try to work with fewer, you know, bigger pieces or like a lot of smaller investors or both? You know, we've done both. I'd say the majority of projects that we have investors involved with have been a, de- a, a more smaller or medium size mm-hmm. than, say, like one one or two big that's that they both have their pros and cons you know it kind of goes against what i just said like oh less parties is simpler to deal with but then a lot of times you get a big investor like an lp firm or something and they put the entire five million you need and now it's you know you're basically controlled by them Mm. you know which we kind of want to avoid because it's like you think oh that means less maybe less work for us or maybe we can be more efficient someone else (laughs) that that ends up being the opposite (laughs) right (laughs) you know certain things you don't you don't need to report on that one window is crooked and it'll be installed next week they need to hear about it yeah so interesting yeah and 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 moving forward so or i guess looking back and moving forward you guys have typically done the condo projects to kind of generate you know current cash flow for the for the longer term investments and but what 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 is your typical when you're looking at multifamily? What's your typical hold period that you guys are trying to identify? Well, I, I think for a lot of these projects, if we can figure out a way to hold them indefinitely as mm. a company, we would do that. Some of them, you just it's tough to make that work because yeah. you got to bring in outside capital. They don't necessarily want that. They might want a five year period where yeah. you build for two, two to three, stabilize and then sell. Mm. Um, so that's I'd say. Typically, three to five years if we're going to sell the finished apartment building. But yep. if we want to hold on to it, at least five. Yeah. You know, and then we have a couple small rentals outside Boston that we're just, you know, holding indefinitely and mm. sort of continuing to build that business up on the side. Cool. And I think I've noticed too, you guys have been, um, you know, at least potentially, and and maybe we're looking at other geographies outside of Massachusetts. I don't know if you're still doing that or where you guys are at with, you know, sort of geographic diversity or not, given the way the market has sort of went one way, then come back the other way. Yeah, we were for a little while. We probably dedicated a a whole year. You know, we were still doing our projects up here in our backyard, but we probably dedicated a whole year to looking at like the Southeast, specifically Mm, the United States. And uh, we just started realizing even before interest rates went back up, this is when they're really in their the, the lowest, to, you know, over the last couple of years, like cap rates were flying down, down there, like mm-hmm. dropping off a cliff and then rents were skyrocketing mm-hmm. and we're just like, this isn't really, I don't know, is this sustainable, right. you know? Yeah. And people were overpaying. We, we did put an offer on a big thing in Georgia. It was like 200 units. And uh, the, 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 the group that we, we've kind of figured out that ended up buying it came in way above asking. And we did the math and we're like, 
they're paying for a cap rate that's not going to exist for like three years until they do all these renovations. And they're already kind of tight renovations. So we just, we were just seeing that more and more and more stuff was going so quickly down there that we almost had missed the the boat and it was, it was too risky. Yeah. And we said, yeah. let's just focus back on our area. I think it's yeah. one of those fascinating sort of things that, you know, obviously a lot of that was COVID driven, the relocation yeah. worked from home and, and, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of migration from the North to the South, Southeast and all these things. But, um, but yeah, it was wild to see some of the prices, the way they were, you know, the rents appreciating and just the investment capital flowing into those markets was, was wild. And so, you know, I know a lot of the early kind of investors have made some good returns, but but there's a lot of people that are underwater right now yeah, that have dove, dove in yeah. last, yeah, you know, sure. late in the yeah. game. And yep. as as that market has corrected, as you know, this sort of um, net migration has sort of moderated or or sort of resolved itself post COVID now. So it's fascinating. But um, you know, obviously there's there's opportunities everywhere. Right? Real, real yeah. estate's so local, but. Um, I still think there's something so unique about this sort of Boston, Massachusetts area in, in so many ways so that strong. is what keeps yeah. the market so strong and stable in, yeah. the, in, in, in the long run. That's what, you know, uh, sort of uh, builds a lot of confidence in, in us. And I think a lot of the investors are working now. It's not, it's, it's an expensive market, which is the challenge, which is sort of maybe good and bad. There's barriers to entry, obviously, and things like that. But um, but it is, it, it's interesting to see what, what kind of a t opportunities evolve over time in different parts of the market and different geographies. So it's interesting with your perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it's, we would see stuff like we'd get OMs from brokers who are marketing a big deal and they'd be like, you know, a average growth rate over the past five years, rent is, you know, 10%. And then they just apply that every year <laughs> forever going forward. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of course, it, of course right. it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. That sounds, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that never changes. No, no. <laughs> it's that simple, too. Yeah. 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 Um, I know that, you know, we always talk about how, like, hyper-local all these markets yeah. are. Like, even within Eastie, for instance, there's probably 10 different sub-markets if right. you want to get granular, you know, and, and that um, that's just that's just one neighborhood within Boston. Uh, you guys have started to, to expand out to, like, the Worcester area. That's right. We're pretty, uh, you know, pretty bullish on Worcester, too. What... Uh, you know, what are you seeing out there and, and, and what are other markets that you guys are really kind of aggressively targeting right now? So, I mean, we, Worcester is one, we have an approved project out there, 110 unit apartment building with, um, it's a mixed use building, it's a couple commercial spaces. Um, and then Lynn also, and really, I mean, as develop, you, you know, as developers, you want to, you want to see like actual fundamental metrics that say, oh, this is a good area, like, you know, population growth and these type of things that we look at and, and job growth and new, you know, tech and biotech companies coming into these areas. Mm -hmm. um, and so we obviously look at that, that we wouldn't get into anything without kind of the fundamental backing if we're going to explore what we think is kind of a new market. But um, the other thing about those two cities with was and still is there's a few changes very recently but very favorable zoning code especially compared to what we're dealing with in boston it's very clear they say that look you know it's not this simple but more or less here's the downtown area you can basically build whatever you want here and uh you just have to work with us and make sure you know it looks good that's so you, you know you can go downtown i you know i oversimplified it but yeah you can build like a 10-story yeah. building in some of these areas there's no you know, there's no real, like, um, Boston kind of has the FAR floor area ratio as their density kind of metric. And some of these don't really have that. They'll say, like, 
Um, you know, you can go to every lot line. You can go up to 150 feet in height, which would typically be around like 15 stories or so. So it's just so much more. Um, there's so much more in terms of uh, flexibility with building. So when we when we see the fundamentals are good in those areas and, and prices are going up and rents are going up, then you add to this much more efficient zoning process is is like a no-brainer to us as long as we could get the numbers to work and then we start seeing other developers prove these numbers working we tried to jump in yeah yeah nice and uh you have the 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 what's the status of the project and uh, that you have per, uh, entitled and uh we said 110 units in, in 110 Western, in yeah. worcester so that's fully approved full market rate um we uh We've actually entertained a couple offers from other developers mm -hmm. to buy it right now in its current status. And then uh, if not, you know, we'll, we'll build it. And then Lynn, a little earlier in the process, um, but it's all by right as far as the zoning goes. And we have plans, early plans for somewhere around 100 units, mm -hmm. um, be like about six, seven stories. Mm -hmm. um, similar deal. They're just an easier... Or not not as much easier, I guess easier, but more straightforward approval mm -hmm. process. Right. You guys know there's all there's like there's almost too much subjectivity involved. Like it's not as clear. You go right. in, oh no, that's it here. This is a new got ISD. Here's a new set of requirements. Like where did that come from? You know, that's not what it says on the zoning. So less of that in these two cities yeah. that we've seen. Okay. They they kind of and you go and you meet with them and they're not the department heads, the mayor, whoever we met with. They they kind of want you to come build in their city, or at least that's the vibe they give off. Right, which I don't always get around here, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and so given given the sort of experience and you know whether it's multiple geographies, different product types, different sizes, what are what are what are some lessons that you've learned over the years in terms of how to how to you know do do an effective deal or or, or you know create an effective return on a deal or and or some problems you've faced and overcome. Good question. A lot. I'd say there's a, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, uh, this kind of generalized, I'll give a few specifics, but just at the top, realizing that we make mistakes and then looking back saying, okay, this is what happened. Then don't do that again. Or we didn't do it this way. If we had, this would have happened. Let's make sure we do it this way now. Um, so, I mean, just kind of, uh, I guess some examples would be trying to look at things from like an 80-20 perspective with certain things like, okay, we spent so much time worrying about the finishes in this specific part of the building when really, you know, that's not our skill set. That's not our expertise. Um, let's just make sure the big picture, get the building done, and then we'll bring in people who know that better mm -hmm. than us and who will honestly make a better decision on it than us. Um, so just kind of realizing where to spend our time, we've got better and better at that, bringing in professionals and experts on certain areas that we just, you know, maybe some developers think they can handle and they can't. Um, and I think just, uh, like early on when we were like that very first project in East Boston, the small one, we, you know, we're hiring subs and. Some we just get out of the phone, you know, the mm -hmm. off the internet, basically. <laughs> and uh, that's a big thing we learned. You know, it takes a while. We, we're not even that old. We haven't been doing this that long, but we've already slowly over time built up a lot of relationships. And then those relationships have given us subs from other 
groups yeah. or whatever and uh recommendations for oh you should have this done or this you know bring in this this guy to help you look at the building envelope stuff like that that's really uh i think that's a huge lesson for us accepting that and then anytime there's an opportunity to meet with someone kind of taking them up on it and just being open-minded about everything and realizing we don't know that much and we have to uh there's always someone who can kind of give us insight into another part of the business. Yeah, I mean, that sort of speaks to a, a point that we always, you know, well, A, I actually always try to sort of think about this in, in, in our own business and our own, you know, lives as well as to, you know, there's, there's people you can bring in, you can assemble a team that can help you do things in a much more powerful, faster, streamlined, better, you know, better way. And there are people with expertise or companies or vendors that you're going to hire with expertise that you don't have. And, 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 and the powerful thing about that, when, when you as a, you know, the sort of visionary as the, as a developer in this case can bring the best team together, you're going to get the best results. Yeah. It's not about doing everything yeah. yourself or, you know, micromanaging every little aspect of it. When you can bring in a team that you trust and, and vendors that you, and uh, professionals that you trust, it, it can really lead to a much more powerful and less stressful experience, frankly, from at least from my perspective, I don't know if you feel the same way. I do, 100%. And that's, I feel more and more that way by the day. It seems like there's always examples of why that was the best choice to make to build a team for this or that. And it's like, uh, you know, like with you guys as an example on Lincoln Street, I was, I was telling you this recently, PT, that, you know, we all have our real estate licenses on some of our smaller projects. We would sell the units. Right, right, right. But it's like... We couldn't even fathom trying to do that with this type of building. You guys have the extreme expertise in that market with buildings like this. And even if somehow magically we could get enough buyers in through our, you know, it would, there's so many units, we just can't handle that. And yeah. that's, that's like a, a very clear cut example. But then there's even smaller ones where it's like, uh, oh, you know, we should have um, someone come in and, and kind of, uh, a third party plans review or something. It's mm -hmm. not the architect, it's someone else. And you think, ah, oh, you know, I don't, we don't really need that. And then you get to the end of the project, you're like, wait a second, this door doesn't open or hits this or just minor things that if we had just done that, maybe it cost a little money at that point relative to the project. Right. But then we finish faster and then we make more. And by finishing faster, you make even more because you're paying less interest. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, yeah. it all adds up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe maybe uh, we can chat a little bit about 100 Lincoln since we're, uh, you know, depending on when this podcast gets released, we're just about ready to start sales over let's there, which it. is exciting. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Very exciting. What's, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about the background about uh, of the project, how it came about and what the, what the, what, you know, what the background, uh, what the project is all about. We actually bought it permitted, um, which I don't even want to know how long it took. Yeah. <laughs> I have an idea, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Years. So we know years. Multiple Just a question years. of how many. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a great location. It's uh, in Brighton. It's across from the New Balance headquarters. Really a lot of hot units over there, as you guys yeah. know, firsthand yeah. are dealing with. Um, so, yeah, a broker we know brought it to us. We tried to make a deal. Um, it didn't work out. And then I, I want to say maybe eight months, maybe even up to a year later, came back again ready to make a deal. And so we did. Um, and it took a little while to kind of, because of the whole per buying it permitted and there was, there's a lot of mechanical kind of stuff with the, with the actual contract and deal. Uh, it took a little while to put together, but then, you know, the nice thing about that is once we did get it together, um, 
we weren't closing till we had a permit in hand. So we were literally able to put a shovel in the ground mm-hmm. right. right then. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, you know, we had a three-unit project in Savin Hill that uh, was under like a three-year permitting process simultaneously. It's just night and day yeah. when, yeah. You're, when you're ready to go right after you close. Um, and that obviously helped the financing and everything too because they weren't taking on all this entitlement risk. Right. Um, and so condos, um, again, great for the end user, for the homeowner who's buying them. Lenders, not quite as, uh, from a construction lending standpoint. Right, yeah, 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 yeah Not as, uh, you know, they, they're a little more risky to them yep. than a uh, than apartments. Mm-hmm. So we kind of learned that lesson from this because this was, you know, it's 32 units. So for us, that was by far our biggest project at that point. Um, so it was a different financing structure. It was different than what we had been dealing with with our smaller projects. It was a... Uh, you know, one of these kind of total project cost, normal type of development ways of the, looking at the capital yep. stack. And um, so, you know, we ended up uh, closing on it, starting right away. And, you know, it's, you know, one and a half to two year construction process. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're in the middle of it right awesome. now, as yeah. you guys know. Yeah, no, and it's, well. I mean, it's, it's great building, it, yeah. right? I mean, I think we did a really good job collaborating with, you and Nick and the architects yeah. and, and really creating a, a an awesome boutique building, right, at 32 units. Yeah. It's kind of right on that, falls into that sort of market segment where, you know, you're not 80 units, 100 units where you can go crazy with the amenities. But I think we were able to program that 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 space in a way where we're really going to deliver a high-end boutique building to that area. It's all two-bed, two-baths, which it's interesting as that market has matured over the, you know, we've been selling new construction out there close to a decade now. And, you know, the, the sort of preconceived notion, it, even as recently as probably 18 months ago was like, oh, it's, you know, the studios and one beds go quick and, you know, the two be- it's, but like where we're going to be positioned in the market, all two bed, two baths, which is unique for a building to be all two bed, two baths, right? Usually you have a mix studios, ones, one dens, twos, two plus yeah. threes. Like we're just, you know, straight, straight down the, straight down the chute with all these two twos and, a lot of outdoor space, right? A lot of decks, good layouts, um, you know, good exposure in that building, right? The front south that you've got. Um, you know, we're really excited about that project. I mean, I think, you know, Rody's team did, a, did an awesome job uh, helping, you know, bring together your vision with our insight and, and the, the, the finish package, the amenity package. Um, you know, again, and, and, and with everything you were talking about with the capital markets climate, particularly as it pertains to condos, like there's no pipeline right now, right? So That's right. we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to have a very desirable product. There's still a lot of demand and, and not a lot of supply coming. So we're, we're excited about getting moving on that. Here I was thinking this was an interview, then it turned into a sales pitch. You know, I was BT just into sales I, mode. I said, he's going and this is great. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> great developer. Keep going. Oh, Phenomenal yeah. marketers. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. The best. Yeah. yeah, no, but it is. It's like it's a sharp looking building. We're excited. You know, it's been great working with you guys so far on it. But um, um, and 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 fired up to kind of really see this thing hit the hit the market officially in a few weeks and and get rolling. So as we can uh, get uh, move, keep moving the construction line. Hopefully, finish up towards the end of this year. Awesome. Um, what is on the on the um, on the on the condo project side? Is there anything that you've learned as far as doing a bigger project than you had in the past or on this particular project in general? Have you learned some, uh, anything, anything specifically compared to some of the smaller ones or some of the other larger multifamilies you've done? 
Good question. Yeah. Um, I'd say, I think I touched upon it a few minutes ago on a different question, sort of like the idea of the financing it, the lenders mm. look at it from, you know, yeah. again, from a construction yeah. standpoint, um, look at it a little differently. Um, I also started to learn contractors look at it a little differently. Mm -hmm. Everyone deems it from a uh, development side, from the development side of things as a bit more risky. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to sell the units. Um, if, you know, from a bank, the bank's always looking at um, their downside protection. So um, I don't know what's easier for them. I think they think, you know, if there's a giant apartment building that was an issue, they just take it over and rent it out, whereas condos, they'd have to, you know, they'd probably have to bring in you guys and, and sell the units individually. And it's just a different ball game. And when you're dealing with smaller condo projects, that's not as big of a deal. Yep. Um, so kind of learn that and... Uh, and um, same contractors think of it as, as riskier because, you know, maybe in the end you have, um, now you have a condo association. So if something were to go wrong or something, they would, you know, maybe team up against you. So those are things that you deal with always in development. But I think uh, we learned with the bigger condo building, there are just a few more things you have to consider and, and kind of protect against from the start that uh, from a builder's standpoint that uh, we weren't, there weren't as big of, you know, Focal points. Uh, yeah, like it, it just what, it, yeah. Those are the things you learn over over time. Like you know, obviously not pretty quickly too when you're doing that project. That you just you know understand how the different perspectives that the various stakeholders have, whether it's a lender or or a contractor or another exactly. vendor or or whatever it might be on these projects that they 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 take their different lens, especially in a in a shifting macroeconomic environment, in a shifting rate environment, in a risk you know tolerance environment, and all these things that are happening. It's was sort of a wild time to to get this thing into the ground and. And start building it. So kudos, kudos to you for making it happen. And I think it's going to deliver on a, on a really fantastic schedule for you guys to see good results in the project, which is, and obviously the, it's well planned and being well built and, and, and well, um, hopefully well sold as well. So yes, thank you. And hopefully, yes, that's, that's what we're hoping. Yeah, yep. no, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be more excited to get it rolling there. And great. And PT's got the, got the renderings right behind him right now. So hopefully Beautiful. we'll, we'll, we'll take yeah. a look at that. Yeah. If, Audience if anyone's doesn't watching. want to look at my face anyways, they might as well look at the pictures we'll behind me. If anyone's yeah. watching on yeah. YouTube, yeah. Right, yeah. turn off your Spotify and turn on <laughs> YouTube and take a look. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but no, it's been fantastic, uh, fantastic working with you for sure so far. Yes. Likewise. We feel the same way. Anything else that we haven't asked you yet that we should be asking you or anything else you want to, you want to, you know, talk to the, speak to the audience about? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, uh, just kind of talking with these guys has reminded me of kind of how we started and what we, what our mindset was originally. So hopefully, you know, developers have been doing this a long time can gain some insight that they don't already have probably more than me. But if you're just kind of getting started out in it, really, you can, uh, you know, like I said, we, we were going to buy a small rental and pool all our money, like four people. And, you know, that strategy changed and it, real estate's not necessarily easy to get into. There's kind of that barrier to entry at first because it's so expensive. It's not like you're buying a, you know, a small thing, you're buying an expensive property. So I, people want to get into it i know it's hard but if you can figure out a way to do it and you really have a strategy and you combine or save up for a few years pool with other people you can make it happen live yeah. with the seller yeah exactly. <laughs> live with the seller no matter how crazy i don't think i've ever heard of that i did not know that nuance of that one now he showed us too i forgot it's a very key important part in the grand scheme of things He's very into mountain biking, oh. which why would we ever know that? Because as soon as we went in, he tried to pull us all around his laptop and show us all these mountain biking <laughs> videos, oh. which was uh, 
not at all what we were in the mood for and wanted to do, but figured I'd throw that in. I, I, yeah. can, uh, I, can, I can only imagine what, and I don't, I don't know if you actually mountain bike yourself, but I'd be terrified if I was a six foot six and riding a mountain bike oh, down. I'm not, yes, <laughs> no. I don't think I'm doing that. <laughs> I don't think so. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Eric, thanks uh, for being here with us on Empowered Returns. It's been a great conversation, as always. Thanks for uh, having PT. me. Yeah, thanks, appreciate you, man. Yeah, it's really appreciate good. you being here. Excited to continue to work with you and, and keep it rolling. But see you on the next episode of Empowered Returns. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Empowered Returns. If you're a forward-thinking real estate investor or developer looking for actionable advice that will help you generate market-beating returns, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. I'm Mike DeMello with Charles Gate, and I'd love to connect on LinkedIn and further the conversation for any specific questions you may have. Thank you for listening.